You're listening to Midi Storytime, part of the Spare Change Library. This week we're reading the latest chapter of The Bride of the Tomb by Mrs. Alex McVeigh Miller. Tune in each week for the next chapter. Chapter 7 Come home and dine with me, Lance, said Mr. Lawrence, meeting Lancelot Darling amid the bustle and stir of Wall Street. Poor Lance had been strolling carelessly up and down with a careworn, wretched look upon his handsome face. Time went very slowly with him now. He turned about, and shaking hands with his friend, walked on by his side. Is there any news, he asked, his mind reverting instantly to the painful event which occupied all his waking thoughts. None, answered the banker sadly. Some of the sharpest detectives in the city are trying to trace it, but as yet there is not the faintest clue. He sighed, and Lancelot echoed the sigh. Both walked silently on. At length, the banker signaled a car, and, entering it, they became at once the cynosure of all the eyes within it. Their recent terrible affliction was so well known that sympathy shone on them from every eye, but little was said to them even by the friends they encountered. The mute trouble of their faces seemed to repel the mere trivialities of conversation, and no one wished to speak of the mournful tragedy whose impress was written so legibly on the faces of both the sufferers. "'You are looking very ill,' Mrs. Vance said in a gentle tone of sympathy, when the banker had left the guest in the drawing-room while he went up to see Ada, whose illness had not as yet taken any favorable turn. "'I am quite well, thank you,' he answered absently, and with an unconscious heart-wrung sigh. He was looking about him sadly, seeing in fancy the graceful girlish form that had so often flitted through this grand room. She saw the turn his mind had taken, and instantly diverted it to the present. "'Has anything been heard from our poor Lily yet?' she asked in low, mournful tones. "'Nothing, nothing. Oh, Mrs. Vance, this suspense is very hard to bear,' said he, impetuously, won by the gentle sympathy in her face and voice to an outburst he had not intended. "'It is almost killing me!' "'Poor Lance,' said she in a broken voice. "'Your features show the traces of your great suffering. It is hard for us all to bear, but harder still for you.' Her delicate hand fluttered down upon his own with a pressure of mute sympathy while she buried her face in her handkerchief, sobbing softly. I should not have brought my gloomy face here to sadden you still more. Forgive me for my reckless outburst, said he, pained by the sight of her womanly grief, which always goes to a man's heart. Do not regret it, she answered through her sobs. Let me grieve with you, poor boy, in your trouble. Believe me, sympathy is very sweet. Thank you, he answered gently. Ah, this is indeed a house of mourning. Is Ada any better today, Mrs. Vance? I am sorry to say she is not, answered the lady, making a pretense of drying her eyes, which, however, had not been wet by a single tear. She has a low intermittent fever, which does not as yet yield at all to the physician's treatment. God grant we are not to lose our lovely Ada, too. Ah, that would indeed be a sad consequence of poor Lily's rash suicide. He shuddered through all his strong young frame at that concluding word. Oh, God, he groaned, the mystery of it. Suicide! Suicide! If God had taken her from us, I could learn to say, it is well, but that she should weary of us all, that she should rush out of this life that I thought to make so fair and beautiful to her in our united future. I cannot understand it. It is horrible, maddening. Musingly, she murmured over a few lines from Tom Hood's mournful poem, The Bridge of Sighs. Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of the world. The words seemed to madden him. Impatiently, he strode up and down the floor. 
She never loved me as I loved her, he broke out passionately. I could not have done aught to grieve her so. If earth had been a desert, it must still have been paradise to me while she walked upon it. Oh, Lily, Lily, you were very cruel. Do not grieve so, I beseech you, said the widow's gentle voice. Timidly, she took his hand and led him to a seat. You'll make yourself ill. We cannot afford to lose you, too. You were so near becoming one of the family that you seem almost to take the place of our dear one who has left us. You think me almost a madman, said he remorsefully. I startle you with my wild words. I should not have come here. Yes, you should, she answered kindly. You should come oftener than you do, and let me sympathize with you in your trouble. Who can grieve with you so well as I, who knew and loved your dear one? Promise to come every day, dear Lance, and let us share our trouble together. I will try, he answered, moved by her gentle friendliness, and thinking as he looked up that she was a very handsome woman, not with the beauty of his lost lily. Her angelic blonde fairness typified the highest beauty to him, but handsome with a certain queenliness that was very winning. How dark and soft her eyes were, how beautiful the sweep of her long dark lashes, and her cheeks, how rich and soft was the color that glowed upon them and deepened to crimson tints upon her full lips. And when that dark bright face glowed with tenderness and feeling, how very fascinating it became. When she took on herself the role of comforter, how softly she could pour the oil of healing on the troubled waves of feeling. She had Lance soothed and quieted before Mr. Lawrence came down with a pale and troubled face from Ada's sick room. Dinner went off rather soberly and solemnly. The array of silver and cut glass was dazzling, the edibles costly and dainty, but Lance scarcely made a pretense of eating. Mr. Lawrence merely trifled with the viands, and Mrs. Vance was the only one whose appetite was equal to the demands of the occasion. Conversation lagged, though the beautiful widow tried to keep it up with all the consummate art of which she was mistress. But the gentleman did not second her efforts, and she was relieved when the formal ceremony was over and they went out to smoke their cigars. I will go in and see Ada a little, thought she. The nurse says the fever is not infectious. She tripped lightly up the steps and into the room where poor Ada lay tossing in her burning fever. She was very much like her sister in appearance, but the luxurious chamber where she lay was in great contrast with that in which poor suffering Lily was now immured. True, Lily had all the comforts her sickness needed, but here the capricious eye of an invalid found everything to charm and soothe the weary eye. Here delicate curtains of silk and lace shut out the too dazzling light of day. Here dainty white hangings delighted the eye with their coolness and purity. Here and there were set vases of freshly cut flowers filling the air with sweetness, and rare and costly paintings looked down from the softly tinted walls. An expression of annoyance swept over the girl's fair and genius face as Mrs. Vance bent airily over her and touched her feverish brow with her delicately rouged lips. "'You should not kiss me,' said she, pettishly. "'This fever may be infectious.' "'The doctor said it was not infectious, my dear,' murmured the lady sweetly. "'I asked him myself this morning.' "'Oh, you did, eh?' I suppose wild horses could not have dragged you here to see me if it had been, said Ada, sarcastically. Is there anything I can do for you, my love? asked Mrs. Vance, gracefully ignoring the spoiled girl's incivility. Nothing. Only do not talk to me. Talking hurts my head, replied the invalid, turning her face away. Ah, then, if I only disturb you, I will take my leave, said the handsome widow, tripping out of the room. You were rather rude, my dear, said the nurse, surprised at her gentle patient's sudden petulance. I don't care, said Ada vehemently. I hate that woman. I cannot tell why it is, but I have hated her ever since she came here to live nearly two years ago. She knows I do not like her, but she affects unconsciousness of it. Keep the door locked, nurse, and do not let her come in here again. Tell her I am too ill to see anyone. 
When she kissed me just now, I felt as if a great slimy snake had crawled over me. Ugh, she said, shuddering at the recollection. That concludes this week's installment of The Bride of the Tomb. Tune in each week for the latest chapters released on Thursdays. This production of The Bride of the Tomb features the voice talents of Laura Bang and Damien Katz. Chris Hallberg voices the intro and outro narratives. The theme music is The Guava Rag by Brett Donnelly. Midi Storytime in the Spare Chains Library produced by Lancelot Darling and Friends. This podcast is brought to you by DimeNovels.org, the Edward T. LeBlanc Memorial Dime Novel Bibliography.